us, Father. Father, we worship you today, God. We lift up your name. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord, for the love that you bestow upon us. Father, we pray today that your name be lifted up, that your name be made great. Father, that you be glorified in our lives. Father, we pray today that you would lift that spirit of heaviness upon your people. Lift it off, God. Anybody who's watching today, God, either recorded or live, Lord, if they feel as though that they have been burdened, that you would lift that burden right now in the name of Jesus. Father, your word said that you, that you would take the heavy yoke and give us the light yoke. And so, God, we pray today that you would take off that heavy yoke and give the light yoke today in Jesus' name. No fear, no worry, no doubt. Lift it right now in the name of Jesus, God. Father, we thank you that you're a God that delivers, that you're a God that sets free, Lord. Father, bless your people today. Let them feel your mighty presence in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You can be seated if you would, please. The handful of you that are here and remove your music and move on. Great worship. Uh, we are here live today. I always like to say that because nothing against other people, but some people uh, <clears throat> record their services, but we don't because we like to live on the edge. So even if the internet goes down and you don't get to see the end of the service, I'd much rather do it live. We had a live service uh, in the parking lot at nine o'clock. I just want to encourage you guys as well, if you can. Uh, you're welcome to come out there. I got, a, I got a few things I want to talk to you guys about before we get into the sermon. Uh, the first of which is Bill and Renee Osborne. If you guys would please come up here. I asked them to come today. Come on, the, the handful of people here can give them a hand. And I'll just, you guys can just stand right up here. It'll be fine. I don't want to get, get too close. Um, for those of you that are watching and uh, watching the recording, Bill and Renee have been a part of our church for eight years, 11 years. We've only been really 11. I was trying to, <laughs> Bill just said must've been three years too long. I was trying to think about it. Everything bleeds together. I'll tell you what makes it difficult to catch the number is that in the entire time that you guys have attended faith and victory church, you have never given me one ounce of grief or problem. So, <laughs> which is a, which is a very rare distinction. Um, and, uh, to, to, if there was a marker when I could be like, you remember that one time they did that, but I don't have any of those. And so that's probably why I have difficulty with the time. Uh, Bill and Renee, um, are moving to Arizona to take care of family. Isn't that correct? So, uh, when, when you attend a church for a long period of time and you love the Lord and you love the church and you serve selflessly in the uh, worship department for all that time and women's ministries and everything else, uh, we, we like to let the church know, um, that they're moving on because what I don't want is I don't want people to say like, where's Bill and Renee? Where have they been? <laughs> um, they've been in Arizona, um, but they're forwarding their address. We're all going to come down there and stay. So it'll be fantastic. <laughs> um, publicly, I would just like to thank you guys for, um, just your service to the church while you've been here, the way that you've loved us, uh, supported us. Um, and, and I say it jokingly, but, um, everybody should come to a church and their legacy, legacy should be, and we didn't create any problems while we were there. <laughs> um, you're leaving it better than the way in which you found. I mean, 11 years ago, we were 100 people and now we're uh, less than 100 people. Now there's hundreds of people. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just, I, 
it's sad to see you go. Uh, We love you deeply. But as Christians, we know that this is just temporary because we're going to spend eternity with each other. And so we'd like to uh, just pray for you. Honey, would you run up here real quick since you're here? (coughs) Hurry. She even runs in heels, folks. All right. (coughs) I should have said something beforehand. Stand up here. Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for Bill and Renee. God, I thank you for their legacy. God, for the way in which they've served you wholeheartedly at Faith and Victory for the last 11 years. God, we send them out today with the laying on of hands. God, we pray for the church that will receive them. God, that they would just be received well, that they would find a place to serve. They would find a place to love. God, we pray for protection and peace over them. God, I pray for their hearts as they're going through this life transition, that you would give them the strength to be able to do it. God, that their marriage would come through this strong, Lord, that you would continue to bless the work of their hands, God. Be in every last little detail for this move and for as they transition with family, God. We send them out with blessings, with protection, with love, God. We hate to see them go and it hurts our hearts, God. But we know that you're taking care of it. And these are your, these are your people. Father, we pray that you watch over them and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys so much. <clears throat> It'd be, a, it'd be more of a raucous, a raucous thing. I, I know that everybody won't come visit, but we will. <laughs> yeah, we're going on a road trip this week and that's what we do. So when you least expect it, we'll show up. It'll be fantastic. So okay, thank, thank you. you so much. We love you guys. Ugh, worst part about being a pastor. Um, oh, a couple other announcements, little housekeeping things. I got time. You guys got to know where to be. You guys are sitting at home with your feet up, drinking coffee and eating donuts. Most comfortable church you ever had. I I always like it if, what's the count? How many people do we got watching Facebook and YouTube today? Um, 55 total? All right, awesome. So uh, if you're watching and you're a regular attender, I always like you to send me a text or something like that, just because it's nice to know who's watching because I miss seeing you. A couple little housekeeping things. Um, this week, and many of you guys know the vision of Faith and Victory Church. We've been here for six years. We are uh, uh, have a long-term vision for what God's going to do here. And you guys have been so faithful in your giving and support of Faith and Victory Church. I want to thank you for that. Uh, very appreciative of, of your consistency and taking care of all the details. Um, but I want to let you know what's going on. We've been doing our building campaign. That continues to move forward. Uh, we crested under 900000 for uh, what we owe on this building. Uh, and that happened this week. So that's really exciting. That's something we rejoice with the Lord. In. Uh, the, the, this building was over a million dollars when we started. We were able to pay off the house across the street. So we're moving forward. Many of you guys know the vision, but I just want to tell you some of the financial details because people say, well, how's that possible? Um, there was another house that went up for sale. The one that's next door to the Ellis's, uh, that went up for sale a couple weeks ago. It's part of the vision. So the church bought that house. Uh, it closed last week and people financially like, well, how's that possible? Our church is so strong financially that we're able to do those things without asking for more money. Um, all the monies that have gone towards the building campaign, 100% are paying off debt. But because there's still money that is managed effectively, uh, we were able to buy that house. We had to put like 20, low 23, $24,000 down. We own that building. Um, we're going to get a renter in there. So the renter will help cover the cost of that payment. So long-term, we're going to turn it into parking, but short-term, we're going to get another 20 parking slots down here, which would be great. Uh, as it would happen, um, this week, another house on this block came up for sale. 
Uh, we weren't really planning on that, but uh, the person that owns it, it's two doors down. Uh, they're believers in Jesus Christ. So they actually approached uh, Pastor Jeremy while he's out in his yard and said, hey, do you guys want to buy this house off market? Uh, and so we're going to buy that house too. Um, but because our church is so strong financially, uh, I think the bank is going to let us buy that house with no money down um, and be able to, and then we'll be able to rent that out. So it'll just add to the portfolio of what the church has. We'll put renters in there to pay it off. But uh, the long-term vision of owning the block and, and all the other things are moving forward. And it's because of your faithfulness and what God is doing here at Faith and Victory Church. So uh, if you have any details that you want to know about that specifically, you can call me, but don't call me this week because um, we're going to go on vacation uh, this week. Uh, we're leaving today, and, and some of you say, didn't you just go on vacation last month? That vacation got canceled, and I stayed at home. So I didn't go on that vacation, but this is for real, a for real vacation. We're driving away today. We're, we're going to go and see Mount Rushmore. It'll be fantastic. So don't call me. Call Todd. Call Jay. Call Kevin. They'll take care of you, um, but we'll be gone this week. You'll still get my text if you're on my text list, um, but don't expect me to call you back. All right? Sound good? Kittlesons are watching. Ledvinas are watching. Delions are watching. Fantastic. Great to watching with my coffee and donuts. Fantastic, Colin. All right. Well, I love you guys. Uh, let's get into this preaching. It's going to probably be about a 40 minuter. That's about where we're going to be. I always like to let people know that because the, the clock gets to 11. Like, shouldn't he be shutting down? Just warming up. All right. So be here till at least, at least 1220. Um, but I have a 1225 guarantee that you'll be out of here in time. Uh, we've kind of lengthened the, ser- the, the services a little bit. When some dummy decided with the idea of three services, we had to cut the services down to 70 minutes. <laughs> Fired that guy. Uh, the new guy said, you know, let's get back to the spiritual services of about 85 minutes. Because we added a song to the worship and stuff. Because I like five songs. Four songs isn't Jesus. Five songs is Jesus. <laughs> And uh, 30-minute sermons, no, 40-minute sermons of Jesus. All right? Uh, thank you guys for watching. Let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than, sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. God, we pray that this word will speak directly to our hearts, God, that we would know exactly what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel 22 today. Typically when you hear me preach, I'll I'll read the whole entire scripture at the beginning, but we're going to do it a little bit different this morning. I'm going to read through it as we're going through the different points of the sermon. So that's how we'll do it as we go through. So the beginning of the sermon is this, is that your life is hard. Amen. Everybody said amen. Of course you know this. Uh, Every single one of us are going to go through struggles. And this has been a crazy year. Amen. I can hear you saying amen through the screen. There's been no year like this for any of us in our entire lifetime ever. This is unlike anything any one of us have ever seen. And uh, it comes with a different set of challenges um, and, and all of the stuff with the government and the masks and the viruses and the shutdowns and the jobs and just everything, the civil unrest. It's, it's crazy times in which we live. Well, this scripture that we're going through today, 2 Samuel 22 
closely mirrors Psalm 18. And what it is, is that it's David singing a song, writing a psalm uh, at the end of these struggles and battles that he's went through. And he's glorifying God for, for what he has seen God do and how God has delivered him, how God has set him free. And so the application for us today is, is if you wrote a psalm for the time that you're going through right now, what would it say? Would that psalm say, I trusted myself, I was scared, I was lonely, I didn't see God move, I lived for myself, broke, busted, and disgusted? Is that what your psalm would say? I hope not. Because this psalm is a summation of the struggles of David. He's recollecting the wins and the losses to the point of his life through the lens of a song. He's singing a song as he's coming through the battle. Uh, he's, he's glorifying him in the battle. And, and it's, this isn't exceptional. This is common in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, uh, we see people that sing songs about uh, the song of sea, uh, excuse me, the song of Israel by the sea in Exodus 15, the, the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, the song of Deborah in Judges 5, and the song of Habakkuk in Habakkuk 3, the song of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. And then we see this, the song of David. Uh, Christian, excuse me, not Christian people, but God's people uh, from the beginning of time when, when responding to seeing and, and, and experience what God had done, they always lifted their voices in song and they, and they sang things to them. And, and, and so this is just another part of this. This isn't exceptional. This is commonplace in the Bible to have David write this Psalm to be able to glorify God and say, God, I got through these struggles. I got through these wars. It spoke volumes to people at the time. I'd like to believe them being an oral tradition that probably people could recite these Psalms where they sang them and they were part of their worship services because people knew these things. And so it will speak to us today as well. Amen. We can use it as a guide. And there's a, there's a lot to cover in this and, and we're not going to go through it line by line. We're going to go through it theme by theme because there's about five good themes that come through this. And so we're going to walk through it together and see what David shares with us through the Psalm. So uh, I'm going to say Psalm because it's a Psalm, but it's in second Samuel 22. So you can follow along. It'll probably be up on this screen behind me and probably right down here at the bottom of the screen as well. Um, second Samuel 22 verses one through three. Uh, what David said during these verses is he said, I praise God that he keeps me safe. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. And that, those scriptures is, is David saying, God, you're my fortress. You're my deliverer. You're my strength. I trust in you. You're my shield. You're my refuge. You're my savior from violence. Now, up to this point, David had seen God protect him in many, many ways. He had been given David, who is a great friend to him. Friend, a great, a great friend is a gift from God. Amen. And David got that great friend in Jonathan. He had a great wife in Mikkel. What a, praise God, what it means to have a great wife. Hallelujah. My wife said amen to that one. Uh, and, and his wife protected him. 
uh, he had Samuel, who was a great mentor to him. And of course, he had the spirit of God who was with him. God used all those things to protect David. God kept him safe from Saul. He kept him safe from his enemies. And there was times when God would distract the enemies of David and Israel so that David and Israel could walk through unscathed. And so in this time, David is able to sing a song to God and say, you want God, I praise you because you have kept me safe. I could have been dead. I could have been gone. I could have been destroyed. But Lord, you kept me safe during all these times. Psalm seventeen eight, David said, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. When you are the apple of God's eye, he is going to watch over you and he will protect you. Amen. And that was what David knew. David said, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm covered by God. He's, he's watching over me. I'm the apple of his eye. I know that I'm going to be able to get through this. And I know that I'm going to be safe. This, this idea of God's protection flows all throughout the Old Testament. It flows all throughout the Old Testament. Why? Because God was trying to do something with the nation of Israel. And so he was trying to show them as a great mighty nation. He had to move them, you know, out of slavery into the promised land. He had to do a lot of things with the nation of Israel. And so as they're walking through it, God wanted them to know, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to take care of you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through something. It means as you go through it, I'm going to keep you safe. God promised the nation of Israel that they would endure. And, and, and like in Isaiah 43 two, he said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. It's a promise of God to Isaiah in the Old Testament, but it's a promise of God to us today as well. Amen. That God is a protector, that God is one who keeps us safe as we walk through these things. Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. If you trust in God, God knows it, and he wants you to trust in him. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. These are themes of the people of God that have existed from the beginning of time. And David is expressing his great thanks to God and saying, God, thank you for keeping me safe. What does it mean to you? Do you see how God has kept you safe in your life? Do you see how God has watched over you? They say that God watch out, God watches out for children and fools. And, and I, for one, will say, I know many times that God watched out for me, that God protected me. And, and, and it's the little things like jumping off of high structures when I was in college into water and, and going places I shouldn't have gone with people I shouldn't have been with and, and taking part in things that I shouldn't have taken part in. God protected me during those things. He protected me when I was in the military and he protects me when I drive and when I sleep and all these other things. But the, the whole entire story is wrapped up in this. You're still here today. If you're watching this, you're alive and you can testify that God has kept you safe. Just like David, you may have gone through some things, but going through things doesn't mean you were destroyed. You're still here. You're still alive. You're still breathing. God has protected you to this time. And so that means that you can praise him for keeping you safe. Amen. Do you see the hand of God on your life? Do you see it? Many people don't because they don't reflect on it. They don't think and think like, man, what are the ways that God has kept me safe? I know for one, as I was looking over this sermon, I was thinking about it and I wanted to give you a specific example. Many of you guys know 
that I was in the military and I deployed a couple times. I deployed to Bosnia, I deployed to Egypt. And if you've never been deployed, it's, it's not fun. Like it's just not. Uh, people ask me now because, uh, you know, I get invited to go travel places all over the world. And my first question is like, well, how many rounds do I get? And what kind of gun, gun do I get? Like, I feel safe if I go to another country and I've got a gun and ammo because that's what happened to me when I was in the military. Now, when I go places, doesn't feel right. Uh, all that to say, it's just scary, man. It's scary being deployed. It's scary doing all those types of things. And I was fearful. I was afraid. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not going to say, well, I never got afraid. I got deathly afraid times when I was deployed. Uh, I just did. And for many of you that have experienced any sort of trauma in your life, you can identify with that. But here's what I did do is I remember when I was in Egypt, I would, I would be so scared uh, that I, I just couldn't stand it. And I used to quote Psalm 91, seven, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near, near to you. And I needed that scripture. And sometimes I would say it a hundred times a day, just because I wanted to uh, be able to get through what I was going through to know that God was going to protect me. And some people would say, well, why were you afraid? Because I was in the middle of a circumstance, man. I was in a war-torn land and it was scary. Um, and, and so I needed to appropriate that scripture. The end of it is, is that that was way back in 2001. Um, and here I am 19 years later, back in 2001, I left Gabriel, my son, he was nine months old. I left my wife. I was like, I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm never going to see my children. I'm never going to see these things. And here I am almost 20 years later when my son's 20 years old, my daughter's 17. And I've seen the hand of God protecting me and keeping me safe where I can look back on specific times when I was afraid and death entangled me and everything around me was dying. And I said, you know what, Lord, protect me, keep me safe. And God did it. And so now when, when I'm looking for a reason to praise God, I can say, you know what, God, thank you for keeping me safe. God, thank you for protecting me in my life. And if you don't feel safe, man, you need to appropriate the scriptures in your life. Read them until you feel safe. You say, how long does that need to be? I don't know, five, six, seven hours, a couple of weeks. And then you finally get it into your spirit. You say, man, I don't need to be afraid. I serve a, a big and mighty God. God protects his own. That's what he does. He watched out for David because he was the apple of God's eye and God will watch out for you. The Bible says that God does not show favoritism. And so if God doesn't show favoritism, if he did it for David, he'll do it for you. And that means that you are a treasure to God and he's going to keep you safe. Deuteronomy 31, six, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord, your God. He is the one that goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Amen. Second Timothy 4.18, and the Lord your God will deliver, excuse me, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Friend, these are great scriptures. Man, these things are encouraging. I, I, wish, I wish this room was fill, filled with a bunch of people that would give me an amen. Do you, you know, thank you for the handful of you that are here you know, as a preacher that preaches to a, to a, a group of ameners, uh, it's hard to just have a handful of people to preach to an empty room, but we shall endure together. Uh, Psalm 121, 7 and 8. It says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even to evermore. Amen. In, uh, let's get on to the second point. The second point of, of David's psalm is this. The second point was he says, I was in trouble. I called on him. He rescued me. He heard me and he saved me. Second Samuel 21 verses 
4 through 20. It says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven and the most high uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them lightning bolts and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord. At the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Amen. David says, when I call, I'm saved from my enemies. When I'm surrounded by death, when floods of ungodliness, sorrows of hell and snares of death, God heard me. Why? Because the things that I'm upset about, God's upset about. He did something about it and he delivered me. When we, when we're living in this time, and if you're watching this and you're a Christian, you'll understand me. If you're not a Christian, you may not understand, but I want to invite you to become one today. When we see sin, and if you're a Christian, it it upsets you. I mean, this time in which we live where we see the, the, the ungodless behavior that's happening all around us, if you're living righteously and trying to live for God, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see unrighteousness. It's frustrating to see sin. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Us as fallible creatures who needed a savior upset with sin, God is even more upset with sin than we are. God does not idly sit by. He has not, he has not stopped watching over his creation. He has not stopped watching over the earth. God is just as upset with wickedness as we are. The Bible says in Psalm eleven five, the Lord tests the righteous. And isn't that true that he tests us? But it says, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. God hates wickedness. God hates violence. And so when God sees violence and wickedness, God doesn't just idly stand by. He's dealing with it and he's going to take care of it and he's going to destroy it. We may not see it right now, but you've got to believe and trust that as we're calling out to God and saying, God, destroy the wickedness, destroy the sin. God will come and he will destroy those things. Amen. David called out to God when he was in distress and God heard him and God saved him from it. David said in Psalm 143, 9, deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you, I take shelter. Proverbs 11, 8 says the righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. I like that idea. I'm just fine with it. I'm fine with the wicked getting their just, uh, their just reward. 
Now, here might be the difference between David and you, and this might be the greatest difference, is that David actually called out to God while he was going through it. David called out to him and said, man, I am going through it, Lord. I need you. I'm going through it, God. I need you to show up. I need you to deliver it. I need you to take care of it. I need you to move. Maybe you're not calling out to God as you're going through distress. David was able to see God move because he called on him. I mean, Daniel 6, 27, he delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? All throughout scripture, we see that when the people of God called on God, he delivered and he showed up. And so if you're not seeing God delivering, if you're not seeing God showed up, maybe it's because you're not calling on him. Maybe it's because you're not asking him to move. Are you asking God to rescue and save you when you're going through troubled times? Or are you just trying to do it yourself? Are you leaning on your own strength and saying, you know what, I can get through this. I don't, I don't have to worry about this. I've got enough strength to do it. I've got enough intellect to do it. Or are you getting down on your knees, crying out to God and saying, God, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the strength. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability. God, I need you to move. Because God wants to show himself through, through your trials. But you have to cry out to God in prayer. I mean, the promise of scripture in 1 John 5, 14 is this. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He always hears our prayers. Now, sadly, I found out he doesn't always answer them the way I want him to answer them. <laughs> but he does answer them. He always hears them. Here's what I would encourage you for. This is your homework for the week. Try it. Try calling out to God and see what he does. Whatever it is that you're asking for God to move, say, God, will, will, you, will you just try it today? Would you just try it? Say, God, would you move in this area of my life, God? Would you set me free in this area of my life? And then sit back and watch what God will do. See what he will do because he shows up on time. We serve a right on time God, amen? We serve a God that when you least expect it, he shows up. He always shows up. I love 2 Corinthians 1.10. It says, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Leave that one up. Love this. Who delivered us from so great a death. Keep that up there. God has already delivered us from the pain and death of sin. When we are dead in our sins, dead in unrighteousness, God saved us and delivered us. He set us free. <laughs> in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. He delivered us from that. How can he not deliver us from this? We have to walk in it. We have to believe in it. We have to know it. We have to say, you know what? If God can deliver me from my sin, what can't he do? What can't he take care of? God has saved me. He protected me thus far. He won't stop now. Here's the next part of this chapter. David says, God saved me because of my righteousness. Verse 21 through 29, back in 2 Samuel 22. It says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God for all his judgments were before me and for his statues, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness According to my cleanness in his eyes, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. 
With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty that you might bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. Now, don't hang up. Don't hang up. Click off. I don't know. I'm guessing people are still watching. They're still watching, right? They haven't given up now? Perfect. We still got live viewers. I need to tell you something. Don't click away. Hear me out here, okay? You're worthless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, uh, you got up early and got on here so I could tell you this. Uh, not only are you work, worthless, the Bible says that at your best, you're a heaping pile of dung. Uh, it, it, it's really what it says. And, and, and here's, here's what's hard, and hear me out, is that the Bible teaches that when we're dead in our sins, that we are totally and completely nothing. Uh, that that we, we, we cannot save ourselves from our sins. There's nothing good in us. Uh, we, and, and the Bible even says that our righteousness, our attempts to try to make ourselves right with God, the Bible says are filthy rags. And it's not just filthy rags, it's actually menstrual rags. I mean, there couldn't be a more disgusting thing to think that I'm a pile of dung and menstrual rags, right? I mean, it doesn't get much grosser than that. Are you still with me? Hang, hang, hang out with me, okay? Now, the reason why I say it that way is because we do not want to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We don't want to think that we don't need a savior. We cannot save ourselves. We don't save ourselves. Uh, we, 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 in and of ourselves, our righteousness is nothing, we talk a lot about being nothing that sometimes though we forget how much we actually are. The, the, the Bible says that David was the apple of God's eye. And in this part of the scripture, and it's scripture and it's true, is that David is able to walk through this period of his life and say, God protected me and watched out for me because I am his and I was living correctly. I was living a righteous life. That's why God protected me. I was doing the right things. That's why I saw God move on my behalf. And, and, and so as he's singing these songs, it's true. It's true. If, if you live right, God takes care of you. Being a Christian is the greatest thing in the world. And, and people will say to me, and as they watch my sermons over a period of time, people will say, well, pastor, it seems like you talk about sin a lot. And the reason why I talk about sin a lot is because there's some preachers and there's some organizations out there that, that the way that they try to sell Jesus and the way that they try to sell the gospel is come and get this great thing and, and come and get this total blessed, whatever. And, and I don't see the, the preachers of the Bible and the men of the book of Acts to, leading people to Christ that way. I don't see it. What I see is people going out and preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins, going out and telling people that they're an offense to God and that they're dead in their transgressions and that they need a savior. Now on the other side of that, and just between you and me, it's pretty awesome. Like, I love the God life. I love being a Christian. I, I love living for him. And I love the way that he protects me and he blesses me and he takes care of me. But, but, but I don't want to, 
I don't want to lead people to Christ that way because what happens is, is that if you lead with blessings then all of a sudden you still have struggles, people say, well, I was told I was going to get blessings. I was told that there was going to be cake. Like what happened? Instead of like, you know what? You get nothing. You are nothing. You're excrement and dung. And then you get on the other side. You're like, man, it'll a whole lot better than I thought it was going to be over on this side. I was just looking to get saved from my sin and I get all these blessings as well. Man, I love the God life. I love it. See, in in, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, I want to show you this because God kind of brought uh, Israel down. He wanted to bring them down to his level, you know. He was going to deliver them, move them into the promised land. And he said, he said to Israel, he said, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you say him. Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. Don't think that when you get into the land that it's because of your righteousness, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. You're a stiff-necked people. And so when we experience blessings, it's not because we are good. It's because God is good because God delights to show himself uh, uh, pleasurable in our lives. Jesus said, uh, you know, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how, how much more does your father in heaven give good gifts to those who seek after him? He said, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? He's like, no, of course not. God rewards the righteous. He just does, man. It's scripture. Second Samuel twenty two twenty one. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. And that's true. David did live right before God. Not perfect. We know he didn't live perfect, but he lived right. And because he lived right, God blessed him. First Kings 8.32 says that uh, justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Psalm 7.8 says, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity. God watches what we do and how we live. He does. The scriptures declare it. And living righteous is the way to please God. And when you live righteously, God protects you and God takes care of you. And every once in a while, you get an extra slice of pizza, man. That's just the way that it works. If you're in sin, you get pineapple pizza. But um, <laughs> if you're living righteously, it's pepperoni, olives, and mushrooms. Amen. I'm just kidding. For those of you that are watching, there's a, a long-standing pineapple on pizza joke within our church because I don't like pineapple on pizza. If you eat pineapple on your pizza, you're probably saved. It's fine. Um, what does it mean to you? Are you living righteously? Are you living righteously? Because righteous living isn't unbiblical and it's not wrong to preach living righteously. The, the Bible declares that righteous living is what we should be doing. And, and we have to examine ourselves and, and, and say like, am I living righteously? And, and here's the thing. And it's so, I, I wouldn't have to explain this if there wasn't so many aberrant gospels that are out there to, that I have to preach against to preach the truth. Again, we are nothing, we deserve nothing, we get nothing, we just get salvation. We get on the other side and all of a sudden God just kind of blesses us if we live righteously. And let me give you an example. So this week, my daughter and I flew down to San Diego. Um, she was going to go look at a college 
Uh, we flew down and back on the, on the same day. And, uh, you know, what's funny about being a pastor is whenever I spend money and I talk about it publicly, I always feel like I have to defend it because people think the pastor's outblown the tithe, you know, and it must be nice. Listen, man, I had a Corona trip that was canceled. We had leftover miles and we flew for free. We didn't have to pay to fly. And we only, we didn't even want to spend the night because we didn't want to spend money on a hotel room. So we went down and back on the same day so that no one would be like, must be nice, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm not allowed to do anything or go anywhere, right? I got to stay home and I don't know, go hang out at Walmart. Um, I don't even go there anymore. So we go down and I rented the cheapest car possible because I like to save money. So we got some little two door, you know, import that me and Faith being large probably would not even fit in. Get off the plane, we get down there, we go to the rental counter. This nice gentleman was there behind the counter. And, and me and Faith were just being, being Christians. We're just loving on him. Just being nice, you know, in this day and age, being nice goes a long way because everybody's upset. So we're just smiling, well, behind our masks. And we're smiling, we're being nice, we're making jokes, just talking. And he was very cordial and was asking about us and what are we doing and, and why are we down here? Faith was looking at a Christian college to go play basketball. And we, we interacted with him for probably a good eight minutes. It was just a nice little conversation. And at the end of it, he says, you know what? I just upgraded you guys to an SUV. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, you know, I've rented, he said, I've rented over half a million cars in my life. And he goes, it's rare you get to meet nice people. And so I want to give you an upgrade on this SUV. Me and Faith were like, whoop, 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 whoop. We were super excited. We didn't get off the plane and say, you know what? Let's be real, real nice to this guy at the rental counter. Maybe he'll give us an upgrade. We're just living righteously. We're just living the way that God asks us to live. He asks us to love people. He asks us to serve people. And we're just living out. We didn't, we didn't wake up that we would have been fine with the small car, the $47 car. We still got the $47 car, but we got the SUV. Amen. Hallelujah. Why do I share that story? Uh, why? Number one, because it's recent. Just happened this week. Uh, but the, the main point is this, is that like living righteously isn't even expecting anything in return. But when you look back, you're just like, you know what, God, thank you. We didn't even need the bigger car. The small one would have been fine. But it was just kind of, you get a blessing. You just get a blessing that you're just like, you know what, man? God is watching and God is taking care of us. And living for him does produce good things. And so we must examine ourselves and say, how am I living? How am I living my life? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm going to rattle through these real quick. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Job 17, 9, yet the righteous will hold to his way and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Isaiah 3, 10, say to the righteous that it will be well with them for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Matthew 16, 27, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and he will reward each according to his works. Revelation 22, 12, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me 
to give to everyone according to his work. And there's many more scriptures. First Corinthians four, five, Romans two, seven, Ephesians six, eight scripture upon scripture. I could, I could say many, many more about how God rewards righteous living. He just does. We've got to self-examine and we have to say like, am I living right? Am I, am I not doing acts of charity? Am I, am I not doing service? Am I only living for self? Not telling ourselves that we're better off than we are, but being scrutinizing and saying, man, how should I be living differently? Here's the next part of second uh, Samuel 21. Say amen. If you're still with me. Amen. All right, good. If you're still on there, I hope you're still on there. It's good. I don't know. It's so hard. Who's in the box? I know you're out there. It's fine. I just, uh, I miss seeing you. So 2 Samuel 22 verses 30 through 46. uh, David says, for by you, I can run against a troop by my God. I can leap over a wall as for my God. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord and who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn my back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets and I spread them out. You have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. David said in this, this part of the Psalm, God saved me and gave me the strength to fight against my enemies. He gave me the strength to fight against my enemies. And David made it clear. I'm afraid. I don't have what it takes. I need God to help me. And as he called out to God, uh, God came in to David and gave him the strength to do it. Now, people will say things like, God helps those who help themselves. And that's not in the scriptures. It doesn't say that at all. But it's clear here that David was able to do what he did because of the Lord. Now, again, this is a nuance, excuse me. Just like the nuance of being nothing and getting a bunch of great stuff, the nuance here is, you, you in and of yourself don't have the strength of the power to be able to do it. God's strength and power inside of you empowers you to go and do it. And here's, here's what's interesting. Again, there's different parts. Sometimes we do nothing and we see God move, but many times we see God move when God comes into us and, and, and gives us the strength to do that, which we needed to do. But, but David won wars when he actually put his hand to war. He didn't win wars when he sat, sometimes he sat back and watched God move, but sometimes he had to actually put his hand to the plow. He had to actually take action. He had to actually look at it and be able to, to, to make it happen. Amen. David went to war and God moved through him. These are why we look at these scriptures like Exodus 15 two. Uh, the Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Deuteronomy 31 six. 
Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Habakkuk 3.19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet. And he will make me walk high on my, uh, excuse me, walk on my high hills. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he increases strength. When David fought on his own, he lost. When he fought leaning on God, he won. And so it's a message to us to say, do you know what? I want to lean on God. I want to see God's strength in my weakness. I, and, and here's the thing. God does not come along and add to your strength. He comes in and he replaces your strength. And he gives you strength when you have no strength. God doesn't need your strength. God doesn't need your power. He needs you to be available to him to appropriate his strength so that God can show himself mighty through your life. Amen. You can't see God move if you don't move though. (laughs) You've got to put your hand to the plow. You've got to move. And this is again, a delicate balance and a nuance of waiting on God and wondering if God's waiting on you, but you need to walk through it. It's not you with Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When, when, when Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He had to actually walk through something to be able to say that. He had to go through all of his beatings and floggings and imprisonments and all those other things to be able to say, do you know what? I can go through anything because I actually went through it and I saw God mighty. Right now is a great time for us to lean on God. Right now is a great time for the world, an unbelieving world to see God's strength inside of us through your families and through your coworkers and, and, and other places that you may be. These are the times that a Christian's head should be held high saying, you want, I'm above this. I'm above all of this. We've, we've been preaching about faith and victory and against fear for decades as the people of God. And now we're living in a time where a world needs victory and they need to not walk in fear. And the child of God is giving themselves over to that fear. And they're giving themselves over to the defeat instead of standing tall and saying, you know what? I'm a king's kid. I might be weak. I might be nothing. But God's strength inside of me will give me the strength to endure. He'll give me the strength to get through these things. And I'm not going to walk around discouraged. I'm not going to walk around down because I know who my God is. Amen? Amen. Appropriate these scriptures. Walk out our faith, praying and reading and trusting God. Living out the scriptures of Colossians 1.11 that we're strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. These are real scriptures to real people during real times of struggle. And now is the time that we should appropriate them. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Man, these are powerful scriptures, amen? Here's the last part of it. The last part of this psalm, the whole thing's a song, but at the end, David just wants to give God some praise. He says, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God, let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. He ends this, this psalm with just some good old praise. Amen. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. 
In my opinion, David was the best worshiper. He's the one that wrote more songs than anybody else. And worship is central to who we are as people of faith. We're supposed to be worshipers. We're supposed to be singing songs to him. This is why I'm always surprised when people that say that they're Christians and I never see them worship. This is what, and, and, and listen, I know I said 1220, but indulge me. Give me a couple more minutes here. I'm, I'm five minutes away between vacation. You can guess that I want to get out of here faster than you guys. Okay. Cause as soon as we cut this thing off, I'm running. I'm not, but, uh, indulge me. Cause he, here, here's, here's what I want to say. This is why even now, and I know I'm being recorded and I'm fine with this. This is why I will be defiant to any governmental orders in regards to worship. Because God, the, the, the government doesn't even understand who we are as Christians and what they do. They write these edicts that say, there shall be no singing in the service. Okay, that's fine. I don't sing. I worship the living God. I don't come down here on a Sunday to sing a song about Jesus. I bring, a, I bring my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And I bring everything that I have to worship him for his goodness, for his grace and his protection and his safety and his deliverance. And I'm worshiping a holy living God. I'm positioning myself. I'm not just merely singing. And some governmental guys be like, well, you're not allowed to sing. That's fine because never, I've never sang a day in my life. I've been worshiping God. And that's never going to stop. And nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to worship God. I've seen far too many uh, people that claim to be Christians that think that we sing songs about God. I don't sing songs about God. I worship God. I worship him. The first song in the Bible is the song of Moses. Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. We are a musical worshiping people. Deuteronomy 10, 21, he is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. What does it mean to you, friend? Praise breaks the yoke of bondage, man. Just start to sing songs to God. People say, well, I'm not a very good singer. God does not care what it sounds like. He doesn't even care if it makes sense. You, you, you can just sing songs as you're driving and walking along. I sing crazy songs to God as I'm driving. And I'm singing some of my kids and my family's in there. And, and then like, I'll do like a mashup where I'm bringing in other worship songs. And they're like, that's not the words of that song. I'm like, I am not singing that song. I'm singing a new song to the Lord. Making up lyrics as I go, because I don't like that lyric in the first place. Doesn't matter, man. God just likes to hear our praise. I always, I always like the picture of, if you had a young child that came up to you and said, I want to sing you a song, would you scrutinize them for how, you know, that's not how that song goes. You should be pleased they wrote you a song. James 5, 13, is any among you suffering? Let him praise. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Hebrews 13, 15, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. This is why I'll never stop worshiping. I'll never stop praising. No entity can restrict my praise to God. I will worship him. I will praise his name in the assembly. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart 
towards the Lord. Amen? Amen. Russ, if you want to come up and then we'll close this service. Stick around. I got one more quick announcement for you. Uh, if you are watching this this morning, though, and you are not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're following Jesus or you're not. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never cried out and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, today is your day. And all you have to do is say that. Just get on your knees. Go before God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. He will forgive you. He will receive you. And you can live for him. If you're doing that for the very first time, uh, we'd encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. We have some information for you. We'd love to connect with you. Now, for us that are watching this sermon this morning, everything applies, right? And so you have to go before God and say, God, what part of this do you want me to put inside of my heart? What things do you need to change about me? And so let's pray on that this morning. God, we thank you for this word. Father, we pray that we would live a life during this season and every season, God, that if we sang a song afterwards, that would be a great song that would be pleasing to you, God. That we would trust you as you walk us through this, God, that you would be our strength, that you would be our deliverer, that you would be our savior, God. We give you all all the grace, excuse me, we, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise because we thank you for your grace as we walk through this, God. As you've protected us and watched over, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you guys again for watching. Uh, the small group stuff is firing back up at church, uh, Bible studies and youth groups and those type of things. So go to the website to bring that stuff up to date. As far as being in the church, uh, it's probably going to start up in September. So look for that stuff as well. All right. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Again, don't call me. I'm going to be on vacation. Bye.